Artists Worldwide. Hello and welcome everyone to uh, our second installment of a series of four of 12 aspiring and entrepreneurial women in partnership with the UAE Africa Networking Group. And today's topic is media, amongst other things. With you as always, I'm Dandy and we have my co-host Heath. What's happening, brother? I am extremely excited. Uh, one of the things that I, I get excited about is... Um, looking at everybody's profiles and some of the things that you've done and it makes sense that you were nominated or, or awarded uh, this esteemed honor by your peers and by your colleagues. So welcome to Global Brothers Podcast. We want to get started with um, actually a good friend of the show. Uh, she's, been, she's been a guest on Global Brothers Podcast before and we're so happy to uh, host her uh, on this, on this uh, awarding platform. Uh, which, which uh, in our personal opinion, she's very deserving of. And uh, that is none other than Ms. Marsha Fry, who is the uh, founder and editor of Out and About Magazine. She is an educator. Um, she is an entrepreneur. She is inspirational. She is a mother and so many other things. So, Marsha, we'd like you to uh, start off with a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, kind of tell us, like, how you, what you feel uh, inspires other people about your, you know, about your movements. Oh, hi, everyone. Um, thanks for the lovely introduction. That was really sweet of you guys. Um, I'm Marsha Fry. I'm Jamaican-British. Um, moved to the UAE in 2010 from London after making a rash decision with my friend Lisa that we had enough of teaching in Tottenham, so we we're going to move to the UAE. Um, so we took that chance. We moved to the UAE almost 10 years ago. So August will be 10 years. Um, I've done quite a lot of things since I've been here. So outside of just um, education and my education side, which I don't talk a lot about, um, I've done some of the craziest things. So I'm, as well as Out and About Style magazine, I also have my fashion brand, which is Out and About Style. And if you know me, if you've known me long enough, you'll know that Out and About Style started from turbans. So the first thing I started doing, I started designing and selling turbans. So um, I think maybe that's why I would say that people might think that I'm inspirational because I'm that girl who traveled to Kuwait on Fly Dubai on a Thursday evening after work. I was in the markets with men um, fanning flies off me while I got my turbans made. Um, I was back all dressed up, all beautiful. Um, and lots of people don't see that side of the story because I've always made it look quite cool. Um, so we started with turbans, we did the whole fashion line, the pop-ups, the sweat, um, and that led to Out and About Style magazine. So. As I said, I, I would hope, I don't consider myself inspirational. Um, I would hope that others would see me as an inspiration because of my journey, um, because of the things I've achieved. Um, Out and About Style Magazine has done phenomenally well over the last year and a couple of months. Um, when I started out, I had no idea where it was going to go and how long it was going to take. We are not where we need to be yet, but I can say that we've done 
phenomenally well. And when people see the magazine, they think of this huge team. There are three of us who put that magazine together on a monthly basis. Three people. Um, and all of that awesome work is done every single month. So next to me right now, I've got my laptop because the rest of the team, they're there working for the next issue of the magazine. So I think just my drive, tenacity, the go-getting spirit. I come from a family of hustlers. You know, my, my, mom, my mom graduated as a legal secretary and never worked as one for a day in her life. She did hair. She hustled, she sold clothes, she did whatever it took outside of going to a nine-to-five nine to, to make it. Uh, my mom is hugely successful as an entrepreneur, but has never, has never felt the need to go out and work for someone. My dad, rest in peace, was also an entrepreneur, worked, did his nine-to-five, but also had taxis had restaurants, you know. I grew up around that you need to go and get your own. So it's always been in me, always been a part of me, and I'm, I'm very vocal about who I am, um, not so much about what I do and, and what might make people think that I'm an, I'm, I'm an inspiration, but just, you know, my journey and what I've done. I'm, the word stuck up, that Jamaican word, you know, like very often, and people look from afar and they're like, oh, she's so stuck up. But until you get to know me, I, I'm not sure. I, I've heard that a lot. Like, oh, um, especially from Jamaicans, that you, are, you're, you, can, you come across as really stuck up. But I think um, once people get to know me, they get to understand that I, I'm not coming to your, something that you've invited me to, it's not because I don't want to come or because I'm, I'm stuck up. It's because I'm probably up until 4 a.m. working on something. And I'm going to send you my love and I'm going to send you my best wishes. Um, I'm going to come as often as I can. But also know that I'm putting in the work. And probably that's why um, Pete and Marlon and the rest of the... Um, can't see how many people are here. Um, enough people. Enough people. Enough people? Not All right. People. So maybe that's why I'd say um, probably that's why people see me as inspirational because I, 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 I put in the work. I'm not scared of the work. Maria yes. Roger Beloa is yes. an award-winning journalist uh, whose career spans many decades. And you have, you've uh, started quite a few businesses uh, as well as being like a magazine editor, uh, filmmaker, and community organizer for so many different initiatives. So we wanted to hear personally from you, uh, what inspires you and has kept you going in the industry for so long? And, um, you know, just some tidbits about, about your longevity. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to Marsha. And uh, when she says uh, she doesn't think she's inspirational, she is. Definitely. And uh, at some point, you don't decide that you are inspirational. People look at you and get something positive from you. I think that's what is happening to me. And that uh, um, for sure, at some point, you, you, you become aware of that, that people look at you, look up to you and, and, and look for sort of responses, answers and, and inspiration too. So you, you try to live up to that too. So I started as a 
I was born in Cameroon. I started at, at in in a, I would say, in a in an upscale family. My father was a minister minister of finance at that time, and um, so life was actually easy. And I I I am very aware of the fact that I was lucky because, uh, uh, you know, it was really depending on where you were born. If you were born like 50 kilometers away from the capital city, your life was likely not to be the same. So when you get, you had access to schools, you had parents uh, pushing you and, uh, and, and education and all that. So I'm very much aware of my, my, the, the, the luck I had in life. Well, and uh, I was, and one point which is also very important to me is that I left Africa only after the age of 20 or even 22. Um, so even if I sp I've spent most of my life abroad and basically in Austria and France, I consider myself an African, thoroughly. An African living somewhere else, but I'm an African, which is not exactly the same thing for my kids who were born uh, uh, in, in, in Europe. So being an African was one of my driving forces. And uh, was, I've been, uh, I was feeling committed to Africa. What can I do for my continent? What, how can I be useful? And it was like, I'm in Europe, but I'm sure Europe doesn't wait for me. They don't need me. They have enough people to do this. And how can I be useful? So, and I was, at some time I was at the, uh, I, I was uh, living in Austria, Vienna, Austria, having a job with the United Nations and uh, definitely, definitely feeling useless. And I didn't know exactly what, exactly what kind of job I wanted, uh, but I knew what I didn't want to do. Uh, I didn't want to be in an office sitting there and, and, and uh, you know, pushing paper, paperwork with no, absolutely no effect on, on. so and uh, I received sort of a call <laughs> you know I've been I liked writing I, I, I like I was committed in, in, in social activism I was in groups uh, uh, talking and discussing Africa and, uh, and and what is the way forward how can we be uh, influential and whatever and and sometime um, I received um, a call from a magazine in, in Paris, France. Uh, they had read something, an op from me uh, in, in a newspaper, and they wanted me to, be, to work with them as a journalist. That's the way it started. And it was like, yeah, wow, now I know what I want. Mm -hmm. I moved to France. And uh, so one of the things I, I, I found out that people find inspirational is that I've become a journalist, and I would say high-profile journalist, a successful journalist, without ever being in a school of journalism. I was, I was at university, I had a PhD and that, but it was in history and, and German studies, but not journalism. And um, so people feel like, oh, okay, it's something you can do when you learn how to do it. So what that one of the points. So I love being a journalist. I love writing in a very influential magazine uh, covering Africa. 
and it was really the magazine uh, a weekly uh, magazine people were reading the, the opinion leader the business community students very very influential in francophone africa so like in 20 countries or beyond in france whenever they wanted to share something about africa and it was pan-african that's one of the dimensions i love too so to make a long story short i would say another moment in my life which i think has been inspiring a lot of women is that um i left a high profile job a secure job to uh to start a magazine well let's say to take over a magazine which was mm. way not as uh, prestigious and, and famous but it was and it was really covering uh, sub-saharan africa and I, I i said well this is a challenge and um, it was a difficult journey, but after 20 years, uh, we, we run it up for 20 years, and I become an entrepreneur. Actually, I started as somebody who wanted to be a journalist and, and, and have its own, his own say or her own say, not having chief editors censoring or, or, or restricting my, my freedom. Or, so that's... That was the drive. I wanted to write whatever I want and shape things the way I wanted, but I found myself running a company, lay out people, discussing, you know, bargaining for uh, pre for printing and all this stuff, finding money, and uh, so I became an entrepreneur uh, all of a sudden, and uh, and that was a challenge. I remember somebody telling me, "Oh, it's too bad you left your work as." A, a good, well-known journalist to venture in it's something which will not work. And with you, it, wo it won't surely not work. <laughs> you know, and I took it as a challenge. And uh, Africa International, Africa International went on to become a leading magazine in, in Africa. It was really respected and, and, you know, influential and whatever I wanted to be. Um, so that was that point with African International. And uh, how you know that you've been inspiring people for women? Basically, I was the only woman in the whole francophone space to run a Pan-African international magazine, to be the owner of such a magazine. So that's one of the points. And the second point was that uh, uh, younger journalists, African journalists were telling me, um, Oh, I've been seeing you around in in the in in, in uh, as a journalist. So I I realize you can make a living as a journalist and stay very long in that profession because mm -hmm. all this seemed very iffy me and provisional to him. So he said, "No, oh, you can be a journalist for a long time." So that's one of the inspiration people from me, sort of. Right. And another point was the commitment for and uh, very being very bold uh you know unapologetic when it comes to defending africa and and uh, african um the african agenda and uh, being very tough on that and, and having trouble with all kind of stakeholders and uh, our magazine became a brand for boldness for africanness for for well for integrity so 
um, that I think I can be proud of. And I think that's the things uh, which have been inspiring people. So maybe wow. I leave it here so far. Thank you. Yeah. Marie, I want you to, um, if I forget, I want you to put a pin in the last two things you said about Africa being bold, as well as um, it just, you know, your conviction on um, speaking for Africa or being a voice. We're going to get back to that, uh, Marlon. I want to definitely get back to that, though. Yes, I have. I have so many things for Marie. I feel like I can actually the plug. Actually, the plug for quite a few things in Africa. So I definitely want to know about that. Okay. You know what I? You know what I thought though. She needs. We need a full hour with her. Yeah. I have a ton of. Questions. I have a ton with of pleasure. questions. pleasure. Anytime. Anytime. Whatever you want. You'll be back. Okay. You'll be back for sure. Okay. So we want to. We want to bring in. Yes, uh, our third uh, honoree of uh, this session on media. And uh, that is Ms. Adeshola Helen Onadipe. She is a Nigerian background, and um, she has uh, also headlined a wonderful magazine that uh, is so strong in social media, um, and that's Ladies in Business, uh, which focuses um, exclusively on women doing their thing in business. So, uh, Ms. Adeshola, uh, please tell us a bit more about that and uh, your journey uh, towards that and what, what, what makes you inspirational pleasure for me to be here like i'll be looking forward to this in a big way and um thank you so much marlon thank you so much Heath. um let me quickly you know talk about my brief um background as a banker from nigeria and um, you know working in the banking sector very effective and very very efficient so i felt that i was actually wasting my talent and um, i resigned in the banking industry and i started doing my own business there and then I started doing event management business. And then um, when I left the banking, I got a lot of questions from my mind. I want to resign and be like you and all that. So I was like, okay, all this require all these inquiries makes me like think of what actually we can actually do faster because it tells me that so many people, I'm sorry for that. So many people actually have money, they have what it takes, but they can actually think of what they can do. And I came about Business Innovation Academy, which I've been running also, where we actually used to, you know, train people on what to do, your passion, we train them on how they can get to start their business and what and what the requirements that they actually need to set up for them to start doing their business. And by and large, I started doing that also. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. Because where I come from, we, I don't have those opportunities, Mary and Masha had. It's a total bad one back here in Nigeria. You've got to work it out for yourself. Like you've got to do, is know how to do it for yourself. So there wasn't an opportunity, even from the government, even from the society, from the government, everything, you've got to work it out by yourself. So by and large, I started discovering that, okay, is there a place we can actually showcase lots of female entrepreneurs entrepreneurs coming up to do one or two things for themselves and i made a large research though i was able to find so many magazines made for women but i said no women and a lady they are two different people a woman has been said to have it all experience and got all those things that she needed but a lady somebody just coming up she needs direction ideas of how to go about it who is going to help all those people and apart from that I realized that, you know, in Abraham Maslow's human needs, 
self-esteem is actually the most important one. Even after you have your money, you have the fame and all that, you still want to be, you know, to have that power up there. So I was like, is there a way we can actually have a magazine called Ladies in Business Magazine? Strictly for the upcoming female ones. Because before a woman, before you were made a woman, before I'm, I'm a woman, I mean, but I've gone through a lot of experiences that have made me help be who I am today. And that's why I'm able to be standing here to talk about all these experiences. So I thought to myself that we need to give those young ones the chances to grow. And another thing I found out that in Africa, you know, we just don't want all those upcoming ones to grow. We always, even in the politics, we want to find a way to bring them down, to bring them down, forgetting that they're actually the future of tomorrow. They are future and we have to equip them right now so that when we're gone, there will be a replacement for us. So all those things put together actually gave me the idea of, okay, you know what? We're going to be showcasing and featuring all these young female entrepreneurs. It's not only when you're a politician or when you've broken the internet or when you have to work, wait, wait, wake up one day and wait for folks to, to, be, to put you on the magazine. So I said, okay, let's have this platform for them. Let's create it for them, just for them only. That is why I don't showcase, I don't feature, and I don't cover anybody that is already made, like the celebrities. I want to focus on the people just coming up. They are my priorities. They are the goal people that I'm actually working to because it's a form of encouragement. And ever since I've started, oh, it was a huge one. And it has given me so much strength that, hey, I still actually need to do more because of the testimonies, of the referrals. Of, in fact, last night, a lady actually, one of the ladies we put up for, Ladies and Business Magazine for UAE version. She actually put my magazine as on a bio that she, she's a cover page for the magazine. And I said to myself, hey, if, I be, if I've been playing before, I need to, to make sure I step up to my game very well because this means that I'm actually fulfilling purpose. I'm actually making people to feel relevant, to make them seen, heard, and recognized through their efforts done so far. And I found out that there's so many ladies, so many people doing wonderfully well. But because, you know, the society we have, you've got to be up, up, up there before someone gets to recognize you, before someone has to say, hey, come, you are this, you have done that, okay, let's put you up. No. So it's a form of appreciating, supporting giving them that um, relief of saying, you know, babe, you've actually done great work for yourself. And that is why I came about that Ladies in Business magazine. And like I said, I've been, it's been fantastic back home in Nigeria. I just came down here to UAE like not up to six months ago, like six months ago. But even at that, oh, trust me, the, the support, the calls, the encouragement I've been getting from UAE, especially here in Dubai, it's been wonderful. And I feel that I need to do so much. I still need to do, I mean, to fulfill so many parts because I've gotten and I've seen all this, you know, loophole of so many things that's the same thing back home in Africa. It's just the same thing, like the way I'm seeing it. It's a global thing. We need to help the hop, the, the, the upcoming ladies in business. We need to fulfill their, their self-esteem, not that they don't, they, they don't have the capacity, not that they've not been able to do so well, but it's just that they were not given the chance. And my magazine is a form of a platform to give 
every female entrepreneurs that have been doing so well or you've just started to encourage you and to support so that's my goal so far and um to say that i've been an inspiration to people i'll say yes a thousand times because when we had the she award program which is part of the ladies in business magazine it's a it's an award also to appreciate all these female entrepreneurs and at the award show it was a serious um i don't want to say it was actually tears of joy because a lot of them were actually saying shola this is the first ever award I will receive in my life for the past 20 years, some says 25, some says 30, some says 15, that they've been working and it's like nobody's seeing them and it's like nobody's recognizing them. And sometimes they feel depressed. And you know, we women, we have this problem within ourselves that, oh, you're better than me, oh, I'm better than you. We have this fringe of competition and all that. So when I had that award show, it was a, a moment of truth, a moment of self actualization a moment of you know empathy kind of like wow this woman really need to be appreciated like they've been dead they've been doing so much we really need to keep it going and appreciate them and um that is what i've been doing so far and um that is who i am and um i think i've been able to say one or two things about wow thank you <laughs> thanks yeah. for sharing um you know, when, yeah. uh, when you were cl just closing, I was thinking about um, when people ask us about Global Brothers Podcast and they say, well, what is your mission and vision? Um, I'm thinking about all three of you, and Marcia knows this already. You, got, you, you three exemplify exactly why we're doing this, okay? So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Marcia, I have a question for you, um, <laughs> and it's something that I've heard, but I want you to uh, elaborate on it uh, for our guests. Uh, I've heard you say no means not now. Can, can you, can you, uh, ah, my tell favorite. Our you, you, yes, <laughs> well, what my do you mean by that? I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I used that yesterday. So, um, as you know, with, with Us About Style magazine, I'm always looking for like great people with a story to feature. Now, um, our slogan is real people living extraordinary lives. And I am the biggest stalker in the world, and I say that all the time. I am a stalker, and I will, I will, I will proudly say, Marsha the stalker. So um, I wrote to someone for an interview, um, maybe about, because I had to go through all these loopholes to ask for an interview. I asked for the interview, and they came back and they said, oh, um, Mr. So-and-so is really busy. He's not able to interview at the moment. And I, I had a journal every night. And when I got to bed, I, I think it was night before last night, my journal is today I'm grateful for. And in my journal entry, I think it was the night before last night, it was today I'm grateful that Mr. So-and-so's team got back to me and said no, but no just means not now. So, therefore, I need to go again. And I need to stalk again at some other point. Because you don't get where you want to go to by just taking no and keeping it. And saying, okay, they said no, so I keep it moving. Yeah, no, not now, but I'll surely be back. 
because there could be lots of different reasons for no at the moment. It more than likely has nothing to do with me. Um, and I can't take it personally. I'm a, I'm a huge, when someone introduced me to the four agreements and when I read that book, um, it was life changing to be honest. It was really life changing. And that bit about, you know, not taking things personally, that works for me every single time because it's not me. It's not necessarily about me and I shouldn't make it about me. I take the information and I keep it moving. And that's, that's how I work it. I take what I need to take from it and keep it moving. So that, you know, that's my favorite saying, but one of. Love that. Love that. Great answer. So no, just not now. So passion yeah. and perseverance, everybody, passion and perseverance. Keep going, keep pushing until you get what you want out of that relationship. Love that, Marsha. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question for Marie. Like you, I'm very interested in uh, you know Pan African movements, uh, and I'm so inspired by what you've uh, you know what you've done in your life. Um, but I didn't uh, I didn't know your background before. Uh, and as you um, uh, self describe, you're coming from a quote unquote position of privilege in terms of like your family life, etc. How do you feel that now you've seen the world and um, uh, you know seen seen various statuses and like you know what it takes for you know, people that, you know, like didn't necessarily have it uh, from a, from a privileged background. How do you feel that there can be a balance in terms of uh, equality, particularly, particularly on the continent with uh, the youth coming up that like somewhat feel hopeless because they weren't born into a good situation? What, what would be your advice to them to kind of like rise above? Okay. You know, um, privileged people, uh, in terms of, uh, well, say, uh, material background that you have enough food every day, you, you have been uh, pushed to, to have an education and, and, and to study, you, you have parents show you, showing you a lot of confidence. And, and uh, you know, this, uh, I think, is a tiny minority. Otherwise, 99% of Africans, uh, I would say, uh, don't come from affluent families, but still, you know, you have people being successful, um, moving forward, having no complex whatsoever about their background or so. And I think whenever uh, you, became, you become aware of uh, the position and could uh, give you, you just have to give back. That's exactly... Uh, that's I've been always aware of that. That uh, my life should be dedicated to improving whatever I can improve in Africa. You know, and um, uh, in my position, let's say, according to what I was about, about to give, it was more like a, a vision. Um, you know, um, pushing up positive people. Uh, you know, talents, you know, uh, uplifting them, comforting them, showing them how, how strong Africa is when every single African believes in his own potential and, uh, and uh, you know, creating and, and uh, maintaining, you know. And uh, I think I've been doing that, maybe not perfectly, of course not, but you see results like, uh, my generation doesn't think in terms of national 
countries, you know, uh, individual countries, but in terms of Africa as a whole, you know, all activities we've been leading, like, uh, you know, uh, even our covering, but also organizing events, uh, conferences, you know, having people from all over Africa. And that has been the main focus to me because um, it, I, I realized very early that we've been developed, you know, not only if we had been colonized the same way and, 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 and kept the, this feeling of commonness, it would be less dramatic, but it was like, there are two or three languages with uh, visions and, and, and uh, different visions and uh, people feeling like uh, they can succeed alone because in our country we have oil, we have resources, and in yours you don't. And we speak that language, you speak French and we, you, you speak English. And those kind of, those divides uh, coming from the past have been working towards uh, bridging them you know, uh, 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 in every step of my life, actually. And uh, whatever we do now, we have a TV program, uh, uh, especially aimed at bridging the gap or, or link between Francophone and Anglophone Africans, and um, especially in West Africa. I mean, we cannot cover the whole continent, but we say, let's do something efficient where we have Nigerian scholars or journalists or figures or, or opinion leaders or makers discussing with, uh, on, on TV shows on, uh, with, with uh, Senegalese or Ivorian or Amorian uh, people on common issues, on, on issues of common concerns, concern. And um, I think um, you... you there's a lot of randomness, a lot of uh, what happens to this and that, but the continent is being built by those who are aware of what they have to do for the continents, and they will lift up the other ones. I don't know if I, I, I answer your question, but um, I no, think, you. You, you know, the, the, the Pan-African thinking uh, is we are lucky enough that, you know, living in Europe, you see that Europeans tend to accuse Europe for individual countries, like in France, whatever doesn't work well, they blame it on Europe. But in Africa, I would say most Africans feel the need to unite. And they say, you are blocking it. They are not the grassroots people, I would say. They are all the leaders because they want to become, to stay president, have power, retain power, and all the privilege of, of running a country. But the people, you know, the artists, you can listen to the music, uh, the, the playwrights, uh, you know, the, the, the civil society wants unity. Yes. You, you, you've, ac you've actually answered, uh, answered two of my questions, which is, uh, which is wonderful. Yeah. I was going to follow up with um, how, do we, how do we bridge the divide between Francophone and Anglophone countries, mm -hmm. yeah. which, as, yeah. we, as we know, was, was, was uh, put upon us um, you know, with, yeah. uh, with the advent of colonialism. Um, so I'm, mm -hmm. glad, uh, I'm glad you addressed that as well. And then towards the end of what you were saying there, uh, that's, that, that's very interesting. And I don't know if there's an answer for that in terms of, the people mainly that are against uh, 
equality and equity are the leaders that want to stay in power. And like a lot of these mm-hmm. people are like 60, 70, I think like one leader is even 80 years old. Like how do we, how do we stop that? You we know, we're going to wait for them to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it's, it's difficult. People have been struggling and uh, you know, something is happening. You saw in many countries like Burkina Faso where the youth stood up and, and, and could overthrow uh, a very strong, powerful leader. You know, you, you see things happening like in Senegal, they stopped the president from, uh, you know, installing his own son as a, his, uh, things like that. There's a, a very lively and, and active, proactive civil society and the new generation. Difficult to, to, uh, to, to get change, but change is coming. You know, I see that every, everywhere, something too slowly to my taste or to other people's taste, but it is coming. And um, I think, you know, the, the, the fact that we have uh, the African population is young and, and uh, has a lot of demands and they, they, they see, they are looking for a future and they see all those people, those politicians, you know, taking countries in hostage. And I think things are moving. And uh, we will see, um, you know, progressively, maybe brutally, uh, uh, kind of feel towards the end there. But thank you, thank you so much. I, th- I think I think you yeah. want to say like change that ch- that change is coming. Awesome, yes. awesome. Thank you, yeah. thank you so much for that uh, well thought out answer, Adeshola. Yeah, the thing that I'm I'm, I'm gathering is um, all three. Uh, of our guests today um, see a need and they're feeling that need. And um, Ashola, I want to uh, ask you a question, but first, I'm, I'm going to try to get the question out, but I, I first have to preface it by saying that I'm in a position when I was in the States and, and even here in um, just making sure I have a, 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 a certain lens so I'm feeling needs of people and, 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 and actually being as diverse and tolerant as possible in regards to culture and diversity. Um, I've seen that you have been pretty deliberate and intentional in your approach to changing young women's lives. And, I've, and there's a quote I'm going to read, and I want you to respond to that. You said the quote. So, quote, um, in Africa or Nigeria, they do not always want the young ones to grow. You train a woman, you train a nation. Can you respond to that? Absolutely. I love it. You know, yeah, yeah. Just the way the word is being said. You know, when um when I started magazine, I'm not a journalist. Um, I mean, I didn't even go to school of journalism or have anything to do with it. But when we talk about media, media is actually the fastest way for us to get things out there for people to know. Apart from education, now when I said when you train a woman, you train a nation. Because there is no way you don't have your sister in your home, you have a mother, you have someone, aunties and everyone in your home, one way or the other. And then, of course, women, we are the mother of nations. And you can see that with the way female women carry things with passion, with commitment, enthusiasm, consistency, all those things put together is a force that you can actually get from a woman. And if you can actually equip such a woman to do all things, 
then you are good to go. And the whole society, the country at large, will be a better place for everybody. And talking about change that Mani just mentioned about, you know, apart from just doing the magazine and just doing the media thing, I wanted to use this my media platform to focus on, you know, the less privileged female entrepreneurs and the young ones, like I said, and especially here in UAE that I discovered, um, you know, sales trafficking and some other things. Lot of them are out there. In fact, I saw some of them. I came across them and I was like, what is this? What's going on? You see, we can just sit here. Mary said the change is coming. The change is here, Mary. We've got yeah. to do that, that change. The change is here. And actually, that has brought me to, you know, come on with a comedy platform. I've discussed this with Williams, and I'm still going to, you know, invite some of, some of us to come on board online for us to make this thing happen for our female ones, for African female ones being brought down from Africa coming down here for sex trafficking, they don't have papers, they don't have visas, they don't have jobs, they don't have all those things. We can actually come together, help them. If the ones that are having problems, we put them to the authority. If it's the one that can, if it's the one that can actually be solved, we solve it. If it's the one that can't be solved, we send them back home. If it's a criminal issue, but if it's just something simple, but they they, they have this fear, they have you know some stupid people bringing them up bringing them down here all the way from America for sex trafficking and they got their passports and all, you know, all those things and so many things are going on here. We can't just close our eyes and be waiting for the change to come. We got to effect the change now. And now is the time just praying for the, you know, COVID-19 thing to just get a pass so that um, we can all put our efforts, our resources and everything together and make things work for ourselves. So I want to use my media platform to focus this and showcase this and let's, Let's get things done uprightly for our young ones, for our female ones. They need us. And I want to be there for them. I want to be there for them. Heavy. I can heavy. hear it. Yeah, I can hear the passion. I've, I've, got, a, I've, got, I've got a follow-up for Adeshola. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a follow-up with, with um, your, uh, your academy Yeah, that, 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 that actually puts action to what you've uh, just eloquently put there. Um, tell us about your academy a bit and like, you know, how that started and, and, and um, also his connection to the uh, SHE Awards. Exactly. You know, like I said the other time that, um, you know, there are lots of people that are just there. Some don't have passion, some do. Some, some have something that, I mean, they have the resources, they have the capital, but they just don't know how to start. And like I, what the academy stands for, we used to tell them that, what are you passionate about? Because when you're doing business, if passion is not there, there is no way you can move forward. Because there are some times in business, you're going to walk down and just cry and just feel like, hey, what am I doing? It's like it's not working. But the passion will continue to give you the strength, will continue to give you the creativities, the ideas, the strategies of how you can actually maneuver. If A doesn't work, try C. If C doesn't work, try Z. So all those things put together with you know, trying to put them into having a good business structure of how to open their account, accounting procedures, um, journals to keep journals, and every other thing to get their business upright and be done in a professional way. These are the things encompassed like a body that will actually train them at the Business Innovation Academy. And regarding the SHE Award, like I said, the SHE Award actually has to do with the Ladies in Business magazine. Of course, the magazine covers everything in the sense that it showcases and features everybody, especially female. I covered female only, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
it looks like a champagne but, but i'm about for anything girly anything and everything girly i just because you know i'm a mother of two teenagers i mean three girls so maybe that's where it's coming from so but notwithstanding the point is that uh, sometimes you know women are being seen as the most vulnerable one all over the world and if there's anything that's happening it's gonna hit them fast most so and that is why I've had that calling to be my ministry that um, I really want to focus on. So for the She Award, we specifically appreciating all those people for their efforts done effectively and efficiently over the years to say that you're not alone, we are with you, even though the folks is not there for you to recognize you, even though the CNN doesn't see you, we have seen you, we know you are there. And we know somewhere, someday, you're going to get more recognition than this. So we, we, we make them to have a platform as a startup for them to keep on keeping on, to set them keeping on a motion so that they can continue to do what they have to do without falling into depression and, um, you know, going outside their way. Right. Thank you. Thank wow. You. I think we are, there's another hour show uh, for her as well. Let's put that, <laughs> let's put that in the universe. Marsha, I want to thank you personally for getting us through um, the our, the last two or three months because I'm a faithful subscriber to Out, Out and About Style magazine. And when that hits on the 15th, I'm feeling really, really good about some, your content. How have you kept up with having to be inside, not being able to get out? Has it been a challenge? to get out and do all the things you do, but still put together a publication that's so quality? Um, Keith, you just gotta do what you gotta do. Um, and that's, that's how I see life. In every sense of life, you've got to do what you've got to do. Um, I, other than being, other than out and about style, I'm a techie, I'm a teacher. Again, I'm not a journalist. I don't come from the background. I'm actually a maths and science teacher. So this, whole love of writing and that's why it's so important for me that the topics there are things that we want to talk about and that others that people who read the magazine want to hear about and want to talk about because otherwise it wouldn't be possible um we have a lot of people that approach us in terms of features so in this space now and because we probably saw it some time ago um you don't need to leave your house to be able to interview someone. Uh, I haven't, yeah, I have an interview tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And it's going to be via Zoom and it's for the next issue of the magazine. Um, so for me, we've planned that this month is, these are the topics that we're covering. Next month, these are the topics. These are the people. Uh, nothing is stopping that. You have to have a magazine on the 15th of the month. Um, as my granny would say, come rain, come shine, I have to deliver that. So there's no two ways around it. The content must be there, the quality must be exceptionally high. And what we've done, um, if you've been following Out and About Style magazine, you'll notice that from the first issue to I think we're on the 15th one for, for the next, next issue, we have grown tremendously. And I look at each of them. We started with 50 pages. We're at 120 odd pages now, depending on, on the magazine. Um, and I especially, I don't shy away from criticism. So whatever feedback I get 
I look at it because I want to be better. So every 15, you want something better because I want something better for you as well. So nothing stops. No rain, no, no sun, no storm. Nothing stops the features. Nothing stops the content from coming out here. You know, I know you're, you're there waiting, so I yes. have to deliver. Yeah, I can't wait to ask this. And I'm very curious, Marie. So, of course, uh, you, you, know, you won the, or for everybody, uh, Marie won the uh, Journalist of the Year um, uh, by the National Association of Black Journalists. And uh, I was wondering, there's always that article or there's always that moment. So what can you mention during that year was your biggest accomplishment, which led you to being awarded by that prestigious honor by your peers what, what, what can you point out or what 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 aha moment did they did they get that you were here and in, in uh there are two of them okay oh, there are two of them there are two moments i would say um first was uh that i was the first journalist in france in france to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with nelson mandela just after his release, and it was big news there. Okay? It was uh, headline news everywhere. <laughs> and the second was um, our coverage, our very bold, and again, the mainstream coverage of uh, what was happening in Rwanda, you know? Um, mm. Journalists who covered, the, the, who started covering the, the country like, uh, three four years before uh, the genocide, so we 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 had an insight. Uh, it, it was like it was not like most of the the the, the newspaper covering the international uh, newspaper covering the situation just discovered Rwanda the the very day they heard about what has happening there. So they they had no perspective, no background whatsoever. So we. We had a very distinct voice on that, and that was, I think, that one of the things which made the difference. And uh, I'm going to say that was a turning point in my life. That's coverage of uh, of Rwanda because, uh, I mean, not only coverage what what happened there, and uh, we, st we we stuck to the story for years, and uh, and um, people coming to me like in Dakar, even like uh, four years ago, somebody came to me and says, you don't know me, I'm, I'm a, a new minister in Cote d'Ivoire. I just want to thank you for, for explaining me what was going on in Rwanda for years. And it, I mean, uh, you know, that's kind of satisfactions you can have after being, uh, uh, let's say, um, being victim of uh, a lot of uh, attacks and uh, whatever, and you know, so that was a turning point, and uh, you know, and and also we we the things the outstanding things we used to organize what we named things for Africans from all over, and it was like one uh, for social action, one uh, uh, women uh, entrepreneurs to. You know, you had the political figures, you had business leaders, and uh, you have also uh, cultural leaders, African culture from all over. And we had prestigious guests like uh, Martin Luther King, the third. We had like Spike Lee, 
you know, like Denzel Washington, all of them in, in an attempt to bridge that gap, you know, to just to, 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 wow. to reunite the diaspora Africa as a whole, you know, coming to us. And, uh, so that's a, and uh, we, we will still, still doing that. And the next event were canceled because of COVID, but we hope next year we will be able to, uh, to, uh, uh, to catch up with that. Uh, if I may, I had also a question. So I was very much uh, uh, impressed by uh, uh, Marsha and Adeshwala. And uh, I was wondering, I would say, uh, looking at, 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 at them, uh, working and, and being busy um, in, in Dubai, I, want, I have two questions. Uh, what is the target? Is it fresh people in Dubai? And how do you monetize? How do you, you, you make money out of that? That are the two things I wanted to know. Right, Ashola, we're going we're gonna to have you answer first. So uh, first question, what is the target? What's your target audience? And how do you yeah. monetize it? Okay, yeah. Like I've been saying, my target audience are basically female entrepreneurs people that are strictly in business so how do i monetize that well like i just got here in dubai like not up to six months like or six months thereabout i'm still in my stage of trying to you know um find a way to balance it all but normally when we are doing uh, a coverage for the magazine people do place in adverts and all that so through the adverts we make some money and another thing that i'm actually trying that i actually wanted to to talk about is you know we are in the media we've got to bring in so many juicy fantastic packages and you know interesting interesting strategies and when we say we are media, we've got to do it all. Anything that has to do with media. And that is why I've decided to come about what we call um, Boss My Business Coverage Show. We practically, this I do back home in Nigeria. We'll practically come to your office, to your shop, do some um, video clips of what you do, your business, you show us some products and services that you do. We cover them, post it on our social media platform, broadcast them and let everybody know whom you are. Apart from just having the hard copy, just reading about you, people want to feel you. They want to get into you like, oh, mm -hmm. who is this person? What does she do? How does a product feel like? So we want to extend that version of the video, you know, magazine, so to say to people, for people to actually be seen, heard, and recognized that, okay, this is Marsha, she's into Style and In Magazine, you can go to her office, you feel this, you know, all those things. So this is part of the strategy I've decided to put it in place, which I'm going to start working on by next month, you know, to add to it. So that, of course, they will pay for it. It will be a paid advert, but in video version that people can actually hear and see the person in charge of a particular business. So that's what I'm doing. So, so um, uh, to go on from what uh, Marie was saying, uh, in terms of your target audience, you've only been in Dubai six months. So, was it an international magazine, or was it only based in Nigeria? It is, international magazine. It is global, ladies in business magazine, global, global, and it covers every colors, not only black, everyone. Great, wonderful. So, Marcia, uh, Marie had the same question for you. You are unmuted now. We see your lovely son back there. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I told you it wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna be long. <laughs> hey, all good. All good. 
So same question for you. I knew it wasn't going to be long. Okay, um, so as Adishola said, we, we do paid features, we do, um, we do adverts, but there's something, because um, here's, here's what my vision is for Out and About Style magazine. Now, when I created the magazine, the whole idea was to show real people living extraordinary lives. Yeah, so we don't, we don't feature any celebrities. We don't look at, and we feel like if, if there's some people who have moved up the rank, show them as well. They're not international celebrities, but show them because I want to know how they got there. I personally want to know how they got there. So I want, I want to, lots of the interviews I do, I'm like, what do I want to know from this person? And when I go in, that's kind of my first aim. Like, what, what, what can I learn here? Now, one of the aims of Out and About Style magazine is to see a magazine that features real people as an in-flight magazine. So not just from the UAE or... But we, need, we will be in an airline. When you go into the airline, you pick up the magazine you are reading about real people. So that's, that's the vision for Out and About Style. We'll, we'll have lots of other things coming. Now, in terms of monetizing, in terms of monetizing, the money is not necessarily coming from Out and About Style magazine. Out and About Style magazine is giving us a platform to make money from other things. So some of the other things that we're working on the money is likely to come from there more than it will come from the magazine. But you will know the magazine and you will know who I am. And that will be, that will give you security in spending your money because you know that we have a solid base. And when you're spending your money, it's going to be worth your while. Fabulous. Fabulous. So, so, so Marsha Fry, the brand, people need to have confidence in that, in that, and then say that we're confident to uh, support Out and About Style Magazine. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, uh, I had a follow-up from Marsha based on that. So, so um, uh, you mentioned the in-flight magazine idea, obviously with COVID now, I'm sure you've thought about the pivot within that to actually have a digital uh, showing of that. It's, um, so Out and, About, Out and About Style magazine was born as a digital magazine. So the idea is not just, okay, you're going to flip through your paper. You've got a little screen in front of you. We're never going to stop lying. So when you, when you go on Out and About Style magazine now, you go on the website and you flip through or you download it on your phone or your iPad or whatever, and you flip through it. Now, when you go in the airplane, how many magazines do you flip through? None. <laughs> there probably there probably none there. Yeah, because I've not seen any. Right. I'm watching movies. I'm watching movies on the plane. <laughs> watching movies, but sometimes I, I just like for me, I don't watch movies. So that's where my idea comes from. Because I, I go home to London and it takes me seven hours and for seven hours I can't sleep. I'm not interested in movies. I'm not a movie person. So what else can I be doing? I can be reading. I enjoy reading, so I either travel with my book or I want something to read somewhere that's actually interesting and it's not just, oh, she's a pinup model. Oh, look at me. Oh, these people have gotten divorced. Oh, they're breaking up. Oh, they're having a baby. You know, it needs to have a little bit more substance than that. 
That's a, that's a great idea. I, I think that um, Let's work. you're on to Yeah, I mean, there's so many people like you who want something quality and real when they're on a flight that long, you know? And, they're, and I can even remember myself reaching in the back of the seats at, and looking through magazines that I wasn't really even interested in, you know? So it would take probably a minute. They're probably offering you perfume to buy. Exactly. Uh, it would take or something minutes. like that. Yeah, it would take me three minutes to get through each magazine because it just was, it didn't interest me. So um, I think that's a really good plan. The courage and boldness that it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, all three of you ladies have families, which like you mentioned uh, in your introductions, um, how do you balance that work-life uh, kind of situation there? I found that like, being an entrepreneur, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I don't have as much time with my family. Um, it is an issue, but it is true. So I want to say this because there are lots of other people out there, and especially women, it tends to be a little bit harder for us, um, that we have to be moms if you've got children and you have to do lots of other things. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to know that your time with your family is going to be a little bit less. So if you're not prepared for that, that and that's my personal, um, my personal feeling, you're not prepared for that, then you're going to have a, an issue. So like now we're at home. I, Aiden is super active. Um, and I probably get through the whole day with doing this amount of work. So I end up staying up very late at night to, do, to make sure I get my stuff done because I have to get it done. So I just um, try my best to balance things as best as I can. But it does mean that I, I work later um, I, I work way more hours than I would like to, but I have to get it done, so I have to get it done. Um, there's, there's time for school, there's time for bath, there's time for eating, you know, there's a, there's a time for everything. Like that, like that. So we have to get it done. Adeshola, that work-life balance. Oh, yeah. You see, like um, I used to say to women, like, uh, you see, women, we can have it all at the same time. Yeah, sometimes you've got to slow down someone, something for another one. And, um, you know, because I can remember part of the reason why I left the banking job was to have, you know, that precious time with my children, which I had. And I'm, thank, I mean, I'm so thank, thankful for that. You see, sometimes we need to prioritize our, our, our needs and our, our time with our children. Though it's not easy, but sometimes there is a way you have to give that time for your family. Entrepreneurship, lifestyle, it's a journey. It's a continuous effort. It's not something that you stop. And it's something that may affect some parts than the other. And family is the most important thing. I mean, even though you're so you're a rich woman and I mean, you're, you're, you didn't have your family in place, it's going to be a huge one. So I will always create that time for my family, for my children especially because I've been taught some bad lessons back in the days and um, it has really given me that hedge for me to put my family first in anything I want to do. I'll always do try to create that time for them. Yeah, business, I still need to do that, but hey, family first. So that's it. 
Awesome. Um, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in asking because I, I have one child and I find it difficult. I do. <laughs> I, I find it difficult at times because my <laughs> one child is like having about five. <laughs> so I am honest. Some days I'm like, how do I get through this day sane or still alive? Okay. So um, like what kind of strategies do you use to ensure that you are you're putting in that time with the family and you're still getting everything done and before okay. you answer that Adishola, before you answer that Adishola, okay. uh okay. know that marsh is writing a story right now right now she's a <laughs> right now <laughs> great awesome um, i mean it's my pleasure to be part of the story to contribute okay you see like i said i have a three years old daughter too and she's like 10 you know children out of one seriously and she's a girl she's just like a boy but you know what i do i find our own time our own best hype time to keep up with my own time so that i'll be able to have that time to keep up with her and when she's done i decided to have my own time though it's not easy then sometimes when they were growing up i actually you know seek for help for you know a couple of hours for a while i have to be busy to do some things if it's not the best timetable that I've, you know, I've made up for them. So I seek for help, like assistant people that can actually help me just for a little while. It's not that it's a permanent thing. And thank God the other ones are actually grown up. So I was able to, okay, you manage your sister. You do this, you do this. So right now it's like I'm just kind of flowing. But though when they were young, it wasn't easy, like I said. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to find that time when she's on the hype or he's hype. You give him that time. So when it's done, of course it's going to be done. Then you can have that time for yourself. And do what you have to do. If you don't have help or assistance or something. To help you. Even with help and assistance, I still can't manage. <laughs> I have, You're going to let me. I have a suggestion which clearly shows that I don't know anything, but I would say, especially for Adeshola, you got to make the other ones Look after the little one, you know, give them work, give them a job. <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So uh, we've, lo we've, lost, uh, we've lost Marie uh, temporarily. Uh, we think that she's having a bit of technical difficulty, but uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna roll on. Um, uh, for Marsha, um, I read, I read something about you that, uh, I don't know, maybe it missed me or like you might have said it before, but uh, you have a background in inclusive education. Um, I do, yeah. Kind of explain, explain what that means. Um, so yes, my master's is in inclusive education, which is looking at special needs. Um, I taught a child, um, I think maybe back in 2002, called Christopher. Um, there, he had Asperger's syndrome, I'm, I'm like severely needy. Uh, and I decided I still wanted to have him in my maths class. Um, he wasn't supposed to be there, but I decided, no, I want him here because I want to see how he performs in an inclusive classroom. He, when I said he was severely needy, he, he, at some point he got so fixated on other children that if he heard a name, so he had a girl called Bisola, and I'm ne I'll never forget her, where he was so fixated on Bisola that if he heard Bisola's name, he would just jump. Uh, and she's his target. And he would just try anything to attack her. 
So I started to do some reading on that because I was like, how can I help this child? I want him to be in my class, but I need to have the strategies to be able to help him. I want to be able to teach him maths. I want him to be able to be there. But what do I do? Because clearly I don't have the strategies. I'm a maths teacher, um, but not a special needs teacher. So my, that sparked my interest. Um, and I went on to having several other students. I had a Sabrina, I had an Alfie. had Alfie who was a student who was not allowed to walk even to the bathroom on his own because he was that needy. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to go anywhere without, the, without a, a learning support person. I, and I felt like if I'm a teacher and I'm responsible for this child, I must be able to manage them in my classroom. I don't want them to be, to be taken to a room somewhere else to be taught by someone who's probably not a specialist in the subject. So what can I do to help? Um, and that's where I started uh, my journey in terms of inclusion. I, when I moved to the UAE um, and one of the teachers that I worked with, one of the vice principals I worked with, she was like, Marsha, you like all the naughty children. Why do you like all the naughty children? I said, there's so much life there. Um, and they're probably naughty, quote unquote naughty, because we are not supplying their needs. We're not taking care of them as effectively as we should be. We're not giving them what they need. So that's why you probably think they're naughty. I love them. I, I love them and I want to help them because there's, there's something there. I met a girl here who would every single day come to me to ask for someone else. So she would pass the person and come and ask me, Miss Marsha, where's Miss Sarah? It's, it wasn't because she didn't know where Miss Sarah is. It's, it was because there was a need to talk to someone. She was severely special as well. Um, everybody kind of sidelined her. Nobody talked to her. So coming to me every day to ask, where is Miss Sarah, was just her little way of you know, trying to communicate and trying to get help. So I'm, I'm, that's something I'm seriously very, very passionate about. Um, and that's why I went into studying that area and trying to help children in that area as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, 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 uh, that's wonderful. Leaders, uh, when they see a need, they feel it, you know. And um, that's why you guys are, are, are uh, inspiring and, and uh, people are actually, you know, modeling after you. Marsha, I... Um, I did want to commend you. Marsha was this uh, on a uh, Zoom call with uh, Amity University, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's looking yeah, great that as well. Fantastic. You know, just that, that outreach. That outreach was, was, was amazing. I was happy to uh, get on that Zoom call. So. Thank you. Thanks, Heath. Thanks for being there. Um, yes, and just there are fantastic things coming along um, from that. So we do have some of the students there who, because of that lecture, actually who want to come and work with the magazine you know, because of the story, because of what we do. So I'm really looking forward to that. It, it does benefit to give up your time. So I, I, I like to give away my time because I know I get a lot of things rewarded. Here, here's, a, here's another one for you two ladies. Um, uh, in terms of this pivot situation that's like the buzzword of the moment right now, 
Um, and even like before, I'm sure you guys did it anyway to get your features and to keep people interested uh, in, in terms of your content. Um, what kind of relationships are you looking to um, combine with um, to, to, to kind of keep uh, from interest to profitability to all of these things going? Like what kind of interests are you, uh, uh, collaborations are you bringing about for your magazines? Adeshola and, uh, and Amarsha. Basically, like I said earlier on, that um, I'm actually looking at a, a situation whereby, you know, we're going to put our effort together. I've already actually named it UAE African co uh, Change Community. Change movement, sorry. It's going to be a movement and um, it's all about change for every um, perception of the black people of the African people in the old world. So since we are here in UAE, we can actually start it up and make it work and having that change movement. And um, like I talked earlier on about our female ones, so, you know, just to make everything right, you know, here and especially everywhere in the world, just see black people, it's just a hurt. Just some form of sort of negative vibes, negative impression, perception. It's crazy. Look at what happened in US. I mean, I can't breathe in. It's crazy. So it's all about we need to present ourselves as good people. We are good people. We don't need to, but we need to like start doing things to make things right for ourselves. So on, from the female angle for the women aspect, that's the part that I'm looking forward to, to collaborate with my fellow media um gurus for us to actually use our media platform let's use our power our resources to bring out this thing and let's help the vulnerable ones the female ones in you know the african in uae since we are here this is where it will be easier for us to start so that's what i'm looking for for us to you know unless our power together and make it work and make it happen so that's my plan awesome and collaborations marcia um, I think the first part of the pivot for, for me is that um, I've stopped talking about COVID. Like, I'm, I'm over it. Um, I'm over it because I know that people want to see something else now. We know COVID is happening and we're sick and tired of it and we want it to go away. So mm -hmm. let's look at some other things that are more interesting. Um, and, you know, just doing, doing Zoom calls, you know, reaching out to people, LinkedIn and all of that. There are so many people that I come across that are super interesting. Um, and in the next issue of the magazine, we are going to have like a, a very special piece that will speak to lots of women across the world, lots of men across the world. Um, I think there's so many people that have that story and it, it will just be a letter to, um, to someone's father. And that person reached out to me because she said, okay, I see what you're doing. Um, I haven't seen my dad. Um, she's 30 odd years old. She's not spoken to her dad since she was a child. So she wants to let her dad know her journey. And she's asked me to put that together for her, you know, so that everybody else can see that. Because I might have that issue. You might have that issue. Um, how do you actually let other people know, you know, how to deal with your, your issues that you, you've, you've had? So that's one of the things that we're doing is, trying to bring a different slant to things, um, making sure that we're not just, we're not talking about 
the everyday thing that every single media outlet talks about. You can go online and everybody's talking about COVID and everybody's talking about um, Justin Bieber is going to have, not Justin Bieber, one of the mother ones having a baby and all of that stuff. It's everywhere. So what else can you bring to the table? Um, so that's our focus. Something else that uh, I had planned that was supposed to actually be a physical event that kind of COVID said, okay, this shouldn't be physical, Marsha. You need to think about this in another way. Was um, I go on social media and I see all of these people wearing all of these lovely clothes and I'm thinking, what do you do with all of that clothes? I am guilty as well. But what do you do with all the clothes you have? You post on social media in a different outfit every single time. And then what? So um, in the next couple of months, we're launching shopmycloset.me. And it is a space for you to declutter your closet, put it on there and say, okay, this is how much I would like for this piece. Please take it. Give that piece of garment a second chance, men and women. Um, this idea was supposed to be an event that was supposed to happen somewhere in Dubai. This is now going to be an online e-commerce platform that allows everybody, instead of keeping a whole closet full of stuff and then buying new things, put your stuff there, allow someone else to take it and give it another chance. I remember, I remember that event, Martian, and I think, and I think um, you told us last time that you were going to have a kind of like dinner like a gallery yeah. as well with it. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for that. I'm yeah, not... and then COVID happened. Okay, well, well, well in terms of this online thing, um, that's not going to feed me, so I don't know if I'm going to come to that. <laughs> you are the first person. You. You. With all your outfits. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody. <laughs> nobody's getting their, their mitts on my outfits, all right? I'm just gonna look at them, gather dust. I'd rather do that than give them to anybody. <laughs> We're changing that, Mr. Daniel. Uh, We're changing that. Hey, we have a question from the audience. Uh, Tega uh, would like to know. Uh, the question says, "How do you handle funding for your small business, especially at the early stages, where it is not generating much income to cover expenses?" Very good question, Tega. Yeah, my mic is unmuted, so I'll tell you what I did. Firstly, I did a lot of work myself. So that's one of the first things I did um, when, when we started out and there was no money. So when, when I had to write articles, nobody knew who I was other than the kind of teaching community. Um, people didn't know who I was, so people are not going to say, oh, come, I'll write something for you, I'll write an article, or... Yes, let me do this or that. So I did a lot of things myself. I spent a lot of time doing a lot of writing, researching, editing the works. And then as we started to grow, then I employed people. So when I started out, it was just me and my graphic designer. Um, and I hope you can't tell that it's still me, my graphic designer, and I've got an assistant. Um, but that's, that's how we've been rocking it. You know, we do as much as possible in-house. Um, and then, you know, try to keep the spending as little as possible. Otherwise, we're all broke. And it's probably, and it's probably pretty similar for you to uh, Adeshola. Yeah, we, we, you know, 
first of all, it, when you're starting up a business, it's actually never going to be a fun thing. It's not easy. As an entrepreneur, you've got to find a lot of ways through savings or through doing some kind of form of another business. Like when I started my event business, I was actually selling wristwatches. I love wristwatches, by the way. So I was like, okay, how do I get money? Because, I mean, you can't get funding. So I started selling something in order to do another thing. That wasn't my priority. Selling resources wasn't my priority. It's just for me to get that money, to get it to fund, you know, my business. And that was what I did. I was able to, you know, open an account, register, business cards, and everything, the prerequisite things that I needed to fund my business. And that was how I started it. And along the line, when you when you're doing your business, you don't, if you don't need to have an office, you don't need to have an office. If you don't need to have a secretary. You don't even need to have a graphic designers like Marshall Hack. You don't have to. You can hire one on paper as they go, as it comes. So when you're starting your business, you've got to be very strategic by bringing in some little funding that you can manage your own resources that you can actually manage. You don't need to bring in, except for the father, if you need that big capital, that huge capital that you actually need to okay, to get a warehouse and some other things for you to implement to start up your business. But hey, a room is never built in a day. And little drops of water makes a mighty ocean. I get lots of these same questions, lots of time from people. I need funding, I need funding. Hey, no, you don't need funding. Sometimes you don't need that money. The, by the time you pump in money, you will not be able to go the, through the process of how to manage the business and the fund very well because you just got it like that. But if you actually work for it, you earn it. You will be able to sustain yourself. And by the time, even though, you know, when your business is not coming up well or is not making fun, you'll be able to make use of whatever you have efficiently and effectively. So you don't really need that much huge capital like people used to think or the food that they need that much more money. If you can't get from family, if you can't get from friends, if you can't get from your savings, do something that can get you money to do that business. I've done it. I'm just yes. talking from I'll add to that as well. So I do agree with you. I did lots of pop-ups before I started out and about style magazine. So I was packing stuff in my car, doing right market, doing different, different markets around the place. But in terms of what we were doing at, for the magazine, I did try to make sure that I didn't even have to spend any of that money that we were making, but trying to really invest time rather than uh, well i believe time is money but invest more of my time as well to make sure that i didn't have to be spending outside yeah. of when it wasn't necessary we i had to get the graphic designer because we deliver a magazine every month yeah so it um and also we do flyers and uh, brochures and all of those other stuff as another way of making money as well so that's that's something else um, marie is gone but in terms of monetizing, we offer our services. So if, if you want to create your magazine or if you want to create your flyers or whatever for your business, then we'll also do that for you. So in, other than just reading our magazine, you can have us create for you as well as another stream of income. Oh, the plug, the plug. We love the plug there. You see how smoothly yeah. this No shame, no shame, no shame, Alan. No shame. At all. At all. Shoot your shot, Marcia. Shoot your shot. No. At all. Yeah. And another thing, like, just for me to add also, because since I'm actually dealing with, you know, 
female ladies in business. We help them to set up their business in terms of business registration and like the printing jobs that they need to do as well, their websites. We help them to do all that as well. And for those that need, you know, you need uh, SME lawyer, legal officers that need so that you can know the kind of business you're actually doing. You know, sometimes you're, do, uh, you're opening a business, you don't know the legal part of the business. So we have the legal station and we also have those in charge of accounting procedures for them to have a proper accounting procedure. So if you want to go to the bank someday in the future, to get some facilities, loans, and all that, you'll be able to have a good record straight so they know your history of your um, accountability of your business. So, I mean, it gives a good straight record and you're, you're qualified to get a loan and some. So all those things like that too is what I do that my um, platform help also because it's just about developing these female entrepreneurs. Anything that will make them to develop, to get to the standard of a professional business owner, that is what I do as well. Every entrepreneur, every leader, every change agent has someone they lean on, someone who mentors them, someone who they look up to. Who is that one person? Marcia, you go first. Who's the one person that you can lean on and someone that you could just look up to for guidance? Support? Man, um, so as I said, when I came to the UAE, we came together. We decided we are going to move to the UAE together from a school in London. And um, my good friend, Lisa, who just lived down the road for me as well, she, um, she's my sister. Um, she also runs, she runs very successful businesses here. She also runs a magazine um, that's hugely successful in the education space. So I'm going to plug Teach UAE, Teach Middle East or Teach UAE on certain platforms. Um, if you are in the education space, she is your girl. So if there is anything in terms of media that I want to ask, I, I go to her. And um, as I said, my mom's a hustler. My dad's not alive anymore, but my mom's a true hustler from I've known her. So in terms of entrepreneurship, and my mom's someone who's had to restart her life. So she had a hugely abusive relationship for 20 years um, and she had to start over from scratch from nothing and when I show people now I talk to people about my mom and what she's achieved after that period they're amazed that you know she started again from zero but she still managed to outdo herself so if I have certain questions, I'm going to my mom because I've seen her do it. So those are kind of, uh, I've stuck two people in, but in terms of media and how you've done it and what you've done, Lisa is my person. Um, my mom, in terms of just general entrepreneurship, my mom holds me down. Wow. Yeah, Adeshola, who's your, who's your, who's your squad? Yeah. Who's your squad? Uh, okay. <laughs> three people. Sorry, I'm going to give you three people. Okay, first of all, internationally, I'm going to mention Oprah. I mean, she's the media guru of our lifetime. Like, I watch her over and over, and I can't get, I can't just get tired. And apart from the father, I mean, she's about everything that I'm trying to do as well. I'm actually looking up to her in several ways, helping the female, the young ones, and everyone. So, Oprah Winfrey is actually my international role model that I'm looking up to. And I'm back home in Nigeria. I, uh, there is a woman 
she's into the media guru also we actually call her the african opera her name is mo abudu i love her so much i don't know if you guys know her she is very very talented you know I'm yeah. fantastic so yeah. she's um, yeah she's my role model back home in africa in nigeria she's someone i actually look up to i mean these are the people i want to be like in future or be more than in future in the media sector you know sector area and the third person is actually me because <laughs> i look at the fact that uh, i can't disappoint myself and i've got to be real with myself because oh. i have people looking up for uh, looking up for me and um i've got expectations to meet so i'm the third person <laughs> the, the third model of my life <laughs> That's awesome. Love that. Love that. And uh, since, since, since you mentioned Oprah there, um, I have a, I have a, uh, sorry, you guys are so interesting. I have another question now. Um, <laughs> video wise and coming, you know, myself coming from a video content background, um, how interested are you guys to actually um, get more into video content? I don't know if you do any already, but how interested are you into like getting more into video content? I mean, both of you are obviously uh, very good. Um, conversationalist and good on screen and can I uh, definitely hold the attention of the public so um, are you thinking about that kind of thing that kind of video, uh, content definitely of course um, for, for sure um, Marlon um, I have something special that I'm working on as well so for the magazine like I, I sent it to the graphic designer and I was like this is what I've been talking about for these years. Even before we started, this is what I'm talking about. So not just, so now or just before I work in, in an artificial intelligence based company um, and we do a lot of content creation videos, we do animations and all of that. So very soon, when you see Out and About Style magazine, I'm putting it out there because I can, you will be seeing videos embedded and animations embedded. I want the magazine to be alive. So not just videos, where, but where actually you can see movement in, in the actual magazine. So you see illustrations, you see animation. Um, and that's, that's what I'm working on now. Um, I know a few people because of the space that I was in, um, so that's that's where I'm pushing myself so that it's a lot more interesting than it is right now. I already mentioned it back then during the course of the um, interview that um, I'm actually looking at a situation whereby we can actually have a, a live um, interview session other than having the ad copy the, you know, for you to read. So we actually literally be going to... Uh, uh, you know, to feature ladies, to cover a video of them in their office or in their workshop or in their shops where they are selling their, you know, products and services to actually have a video one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. And then, you know, we interview them, basically then post it up on all our social media, help them to promote it so that um, apart from reading about them, you can actually see and feel them at the same time. So that is what um, I'm, I'm going to start up by next month, so to say. Awesome. That sounds exciting. Why don't you finish us off at a show with your social media handles and your website and how people can, can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, um, my Instagram is um, at Limbis Global. 
Limbiz Global, L-I-N-B-I-Z-G-L-O-B-A-L, Limbiz Global. The same thing on Twitter, the same thing on, um, on yeah, Twitter and Richard um, one now. Now on LinkedIn, on uh, Facebook is Ladies and Business Magazine. And uh, my website is www.ladiesandbusiness.com.ng. So we're actually working on the website to be, uh, to be updated anyway. And um, another thing, we're trying to have a platform on the website whereby every ladies in business can actually see themselves, negotiate business with themselves. Someone in UK can transact business with someone in Rwanda and they can actually get connected to what's happening in Rwanda or what can I bring down to Rwanda or what can a lady in business from Rwanda take back to UK, you know, vis-a-vis -vis that way. So we're actually working on the strategy so that we can have the websites to be in a proper shape and um on linkedin i'm my name i'm just i'm on linkedin not as uh, on lead as leaders in business but as additional you know on notify so that's it awesome and uh marcia your your uh your handles and your website how can people get in touch with you my website is in the chat it's outandaboutstylemag.com um, we're out and about style mag on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, um, also on Twitter, but we don't do a lot on Twitter. Um, or my personal page is the Marsha Fry on Instagram or Marsha Fry on LinkedIn. Or you can email me, Marsha at outandaboutstylemag.com. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. And uh, we do we do have Marie who has just just managed to join back right in time. Right in time. Hi Marie. Um, Hi, I'm so sorry. Internet problems here is is uh, is awful. <laughs> understandable, no problem. Um I have I have one more question for you since you've just slid back in there and I wanna and I wanna be yeah. uh, fair to your um, Olympic stature of experience. Um, after all of that background in media uh, and in your life experiences, what's your current thing? What are you doing right now? Yeah, this is such an interesting question because uh, I've been doing so many things uh, and uh, at some point you, you question your identity. Of course, I'm a journalist, I'm an entrepreneur, but sometimes both are a little bit conflicting. And uh, I do communication. Uh, I was in print. Now I, I turn over to uh, uh, TV. So, you know, the COVID period, the, the, the time I had to think about all this was very productive. So now, if you ask me what I am, I would say I'm a global media producer, which means things I'm doing now, I'm producing contents for uh, TV, we know we have a program, a TV program, which, which is syndicated, called Africa International, like the name of the magazine we used to publish, the political magazine, and um, which is uh, being aired by uh, roughly 10 major TV stations in West Africa, in Francophone, because it's in French. Um, and then, and, and, and that's one of the things, we, we produce content. We have a website called also Emeba Networks, where we aggregate information, we produce our own content, but we also um, 
we we also uh, how you say it uh, transfer or whatever new contents we, we we also use other contents and also the other thing is we produce content for clients uh, for social media so it's really about content production and uh, that has become the business and is now clear in my mind or doing uh, you know i i put all that under an umbrella and um uh in the time to come you know we we will uh continue structuring all this to to become coherent and uh i, I would see i would say efficient and uh, more pragmatic in the way we we go about things Wonderful. And uh, how can people get in touch with you, your uh, social media handles and your website, yeah. please? Okay. Uh, my my uh, Twitter, Twitter is at uh, MRBiloa. And our net, our, um, our website, main website, because there are many, um, is mrbnetworks.com, MRB, MRB. Uh, it's not hyphen hyphen uh, networks dot com, and we we have also uh, 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 a conference uh, event to, to we we do events through Club Millennium dot org. I just want to ask Marisa. Yes, yeah, she is a leader in this space. So I just wanted to know very quickly, um, what advice would you give us who are children in this business um what <laughs> advice would you give us okay you know um i think you 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 are you started better than i did because i was a journalist not thinking of making money so i have I, i've been cooked up by the money issue <laughs> and it was a problem so uh, now i i think you you are well aware of the fact that your activity must generate enough income for you to thrive and, and, and to, to move forward. So I like the idea that you, you look at a magazine as, a, um, let's say, sort of a transition to something. It's, it's sort of a basis. It gives you a basis to communicate, to a basis to build upon and do other things. Uh, next to beside it. I found that the idea great. And uh, I think you, you are already doing the right thing. And always, always make sure you know your target. That's what I'm asking. Uh, because when I started, it, it, it was rather clear. It was a Pan-African magazine, uh, you know, in French. So it, automatically it was... Uh, um, it was addressing audiences in the French-speaking areas, but still, it was like, uh, uh, do I speak, uh, how do I, I address a Cameroonian and uh, somebody from Cote d'Ivoire? How do I build a common, a common awareness of things? It was not that easy. But uh, when you do a magazine and you say you want to be global, make sure there is a need for global things. Uh, my experience is that, um, the best things are niche, you know, really narrow down to your, your target, really to narrow down to a target. Sometimes, even if the target is not that, that broad, it's more efficient if it's, it's really very, very focused. That's an experience. But maybe things have changed see, uh, since with globalization, digitalization, you will many things online, probably. 
So uh, think every day about my target. What is my target? I make sure you think of it every day. That's one of the things I can tell you. Um, well, I think to me, it's the one important thing. That's awesome. Marsha, is good? Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Thank you very we much. Call, we call that free game. Yeah, I am always looking for something free. <laughs> With pleasure, you know. Thank you so With much. With pleasure. I would like us to discuss and, 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 and keep, keep exchanging about what we do and inspiring each other. I'm sure there are many insights to get from you. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Thank you so much, Mari. Thank you so much. God bless you. So Heath, another great one in the bag. Uh, that was um, our second of four in our series with the 12 inspirational and entrepreneurial women uh, in association with the UAE Africa Networking Group. Thank you so much, ladies, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for having Thank you, Heath. Thank you, Mali. Thank you guys so much for being here. And as we always say at this time, live global and prosper. Check us out on YouTube, Global Brothers Podcast. And please subscribe and share and, you know, continue to support, you know, good yeah. time. Thanks, everybody. Mr. Worldwide.